All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Remember, day 62, Americans abandoned, trapped behind terrorist enemy lines. Now, we've been telling you about this massive attempt at a power grab by the Democrats. That has to do with court packing. Remember, Biden, early in his administration, he put together a court packing committee. And yesterday, we finally got a hold of it as we were getting off the air yesterday. We got a a draft release of the materials that will be in the final report. Now, remember, the court packing is their scheme to turn the U.S. Supreme Court into just another arm of the Democratic Party. And in other words, what they could never get done at the ballot box, what they could never get done legislatively, they want activist justices to do for them. That's what they're looking for, grabbing power in perpetuity, and and then God only knows where it goes from there. Uh, So all of these are schemes to do this. Now, uh, on TV last night, um, I I want to just want to remind everybody, Joe Biden, you know, F, FDR had the right to pack the court, but it was a bonehead idea. Listen to Joe. President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate and the United States Congress a proposal to pack the court. It was totally within his right to do that. He violated no law. He was legalistically absolutely correct. But it was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make. And it put in question for an entire decade the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress, in my view, the most significant body in this country, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Yeah. Okay. It was a boneheaded idea then. And it's a boneheaded idea now. It's it's you know, he, he was right at the time. Anyway, joining us is Fox News legal analyst, host of his own podcast, The Brief. Uh, Greg Jarrett is back with us. John Solomon, editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com. Can't wait to get their take on the fact that uh, former FBI Deputy Director McCabe now gets his pension back. Uh, Welcome, both of you. Greg, you're the lawyer. I'll start with you. Uh, Okay, there were mixed reviews on whether to pack the court but they want to now term limit the justices. Uh, I guess that means get rid of every conservative justice now and keep all the liberals and add new liberals. Yeah, I mean, obviously. And look, as a practical matter, you cannot impose term limits without altering the Constitution itself, which would mean an amendment to the Constitution, which essentially the most... uh, you know, agreeable path would be a two-thirds vote by the House and the Senate, and then ratification by three-quarters of the state legislatures. Well, that's impossible. And this far-left commission that Biden named knew it's impossible, which is exactly why they proposed it, because they knew it would go nowhere, so no harm, no foul. In terms of packing the court, even this liberal commission uh, was divided on that. And that, of course, is impossible also. You'd have to blow up the filibuster to do it. And even then, you'd have to have every single Democrat in the Senate on board, and they don't have that. You've got several Democratic senators say, I'm against court packing. So in terms of term limits and packing the court, it will never happen. Biden knows it. He knows it's boneheaded, but he pandered and he dodged and he pandered some more. And then he sloughed it off in a commission trying to shift responsibility 
You see, I actually think he'd love the idea. I, 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 first of all, I'm not even sure if he knows what day of the week it is. I mean, you got the, the great puppeteer. Uh, this is a high-class problem, the supply chain issue. Uh, no, it's not, you idiot. But anyway, Ron Klain. So I think he actually does want to do these things. But I don't. But I don't know how much control he actually has. But there well, are you know, people that are pushing him hardcore left, and and he's gone along with it. And I don't see any way he can retreat from it. As addled as his brain might be, he's got to know that it's politically top toxic. He knows poll numbers. Americans, by huge amounts, vehemently opposed to tampering with the court. And he knows the backlash would be extreme. Your take, uh, John Solomon. I think Greg has it just right. Listen, this is a sugar pill, right? They they gave the left what they wanted. Uh, if you really want to do something, you can go and, and put term limits, and that's never going to happen. They're never going to get a constitutional amendment. Uh, and by the way, court packing is just not going to be legitimate. It's actually going to undermine the legitimacy of the court. Basically, they did an entire exercise to come up with two uh, one recommendation uh, that will never, never fly. And so it's just an empty process, a way for Joe Biden to try to keep his far left part of his party appeased or at, at uh, arm's length for a while. But, you know, it's not going to make any of the left lefties happy. And the truth of the matter is it's going to have zero impact. The Supreme Court is going to remain a nine-justice lifetime appointment uh, court for the foreseeable future. So I thought of both of you when I read the news that Biden's Department of Justice, which we know has been highly politicized, right? I mean, we see it recently with you know, the, the critical race and, and looking at mommies and daddies as domestic terrorists and bringing the FBI in to examine parents at school boards. That, w- that would be the job of the local police. Well, unless your city, of course, defunded and dismantled them, then you might need some other law enforcement. But putting that aside here, but he politicized it also by going after the state of Georgia. And they have one of the most inclusive uh, voting voting systems laws in the country. One of the most restrictive is Delaware. You have 17 days in in person early voting in Georgia. You have zero in Delaware. You have drop boxes in every county in in Georgia. Zero in Delaware. Uh, Both states require voter ID. And in the 5,938 years that Joe Biden's represented Delaware, not a single time did he ever lift a finger uh, to make voting in Delaware more accessible. So we know it's politicized. Now, we have Michael Horowitz, uh, the inspector general's report comes out. And within this report are referrals, meaning for criminal investigations. Anyway, one of them was for Andrew McCabe. Remember, he had his he he was fired and had his pension stripped from him and et cetera, et cetera. Why there was not a grand jury convened, I don't know. But now the New York Times is saying that McCabe is granted his full retirement. He'll get his pension. He'll get his other benefits and two hundred thousand dollars in missed pension payments. In addition, the department agreed to expunge any mention of his firing from his FBI personnel records. So I guess, you know, where's Durham, number one, Greg? And number two, I guess Michael Horowitz's report was just a colossal waste of time. Well, it, it's tragic that this guy, Andrew McCabe, isn't behind bars. He lied to the FISA court, deceived the judges, and perpetrated a fraud. Uh, and he should have been held in criminal contempt. Uh, and beyond that, he should have been indicted. 
you know, he knew absolutely that uh, there was no justification, no probable cause for a surveillance warrant on Carter Page. It was based largely on a phony dossier, and McCabe, among others, knew that it was phony, and yet McCabe is the one who signed off on one of the four FISA warrant applications, essentially. And Jim, Jim Comey signed, signed three of them himself. Right, right. And, you know, both of these guys, you know, if they weren't, you know, the liberal Democrat darlings, uh, you know, they would have been probably prosecuted and criminally charged. So the, 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 the obvious conclusion is that even though we had the goods on a lot of these people, they're all going to get off scot-free, and then we can only determine and, and conclude, John Solomon, that we have a two-tiered justice system, yeah. one for liberals, one for conservatives. Um, we don't have equal justice under the law, and we don't have equal, equal application under the law. Now, yeah. when uh, the charge against, for example, Roger Stone lying to Congress, pre-dawn raid with frogmen, armed tactical gear, 25 of them, guns drawn, and they go into the house, CNN cameras filming the whole entire pre-dawn episode. Okay, that it's the exact same charge as was made by the Inspector General. Nothing happens as usual. Yeah, listen, I, I tweeted out this morning, this is the perfect example of the dual justice system alive and well. You can lie to an, an investigation, which is what Andrew McCabe was documented to have done. You can be fired for it, and you can keep your pension. And we've seen this inside the FBI regularly. There are FBI supervisors who have engaged in horrendous sexual harassment, irrefutable sexual harassment, in some cases what appears to be sexual assault. Uh, unwanted touching, they, they get to retire with their pensions. The FBI does not discipline its own. It does not punish its own. And ultimately, the old boys club of the Justice Department and the FBI take care of their own even when they're engaged in misconduct and wrongdoing. And in this case, it's not in dispute that Andrew McCabe gave false statements to an official FBI investigation. It's not. The only question is, what's the appropriate punishment? He got fired. He should have lost his pension. And now this Biden administration is going to allow, allow him to walk away with a pension. So the obvious stupid question, I guess, probably a waste of time question is, uh, where's John Durham? Anybody anybody have a John Durham sighting? I know we got the Sussman indictment, but I don't see, you know, this, this, this should have been done in record time. If he would have just used the low-hanging fruit in the Inspector General's report, a lot of people would have been charged. But now, you know, how many years later, and he's still investigating. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I have zero confidence. John, you're more confident than me and Greg. You think that stuff might actually be happening here. Well, listen, there's activity. And I've always said, and I've said it for two and a half years, I think a small number of people will be indicted as a result of it. We're up to two. I imagine that there'll be a handful more that will occur. I don't believe they'll be at the level of, of a Comey or a McCabe. Uh, they'll be downstream from them. But there is still ongoing criminal investigative activity and there's report writing going on but none of it's going to be satisfying to the american public because at the end of the day this was a large political ruse that the fbi not only got hoodwinked by they participated in and very few people are going to uh, to go to prison for it or even be punished for it unbelievable quick break more with greg jarrett john solomon on the other side then your calls 800-941-SEAN is our number
as we continue with Greg Jarrett, John Solomon with us. Greg Jarrett, you had two number one best-selling books on this topic. Uh, the the case you, you lay out in both those books, the evidence is overwhelming. It is incontrovertible. Uh, if if you're a conservative and you jaywalk or spit on the sidewalk, you're going to jail for seven years, right? If you're a, you know a deep state liberal operative uh, doing the bidding of Hillary Clinton in a campaign and smearing Donald Trump, you can get away with pretty much anything. Yes, and the the number one person that should be prosecuted is Hillary Clinton. In both books, I explained in detail how she invented, financed and disseminated the Russia hoax, a lie intended to smear Donald Trump. She was involved in a conspiracy with other people to provide false information to the FBI, knowingly false information. That is a crime. And And this was all designed to distract from the problem that she had with her server. Is that true? Oh, it's absolutely true. It was a scheme that was not only illicit, it was illegal. It's a crime to lie to the FBI, to provide knowingly false information, to frame somebody else, in this case, Donald Trump. And she did it to distract from her own burgeoning email scandal just before the election. The tragedy is, it, it to some extent, it worked. It did smear Donald Trump. He won the election. Uh, but it hobbled him for the four years in office. It's just unbelievable to me. Now, I had heard some sources telling me, John, that there is a grand jury convened. Do we know that to be true? Yes, there's no doubt. I've talked to witnesses who appeared before it. Uh, I've talked to witnesses who've gotten uh, grand jury subpoenas, and there's two remaining focuses. Listen, there's no focus on the CIA or intelligence anymore. There's a report written to describe the CIA's role, John Brennan's role, all of that. They're focused on two things. The, the people who brought the information to the FBI, did they know what they were bringing was false? So the Sussmans, the Steels, people like that, did they know what they were bringing was false? And in the case of Sussman, uh, the, the prosecutor makes a clear argument that Sussman had reason to believe what he was giving to the FBI was false. The red herring comment, hey, this is a red herring. They still give it to the FBI despite that. The second part is, did the FBI people who submitted the FISA applications, who prepared them, who reviewed them, who vouched for them, did they have reason to believe and should they have known what they were submitting was false? We know in the case of one person, yes, because he altered a document. I believe, I know from my reporting, they're looking at others and still examining whether they had reason to believe that their case, uh, that they, what they were presenting to the court was false and what they might have been presenting to Congress was false. That's the other part. That's the only two parts of activity in the grand jury that I've been detecting any activity about. All right, John Solomon. By the way, we have to call him Sir uh, Greg because He's now the editor-in-chief of JustTheDews.com. I have to say John Solomon, <laughs> sir. He's, he's, he, oh, he, stop he, it. he told me before the interview today, I, I do expect both of you to refer to me as sir. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> um, just kidding. Anyway, John Solomon, Greg Jarrett, thanks for being with us. When we come back, we'll hit, your, hit the phones. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls here in a few minutes. 800-941-SEAN, our number if you want to be a part of the program. So last week we celebrated the 25th anniversary. I've been on Fox now for 25 years. And I feel blessed and humbled and appreciative to everybody to be able to do what I do every day. I'm on radio now 33 years, if you can believe it. And if I didn't have these jobs, I'd probably be driving around talking to myself all day, doing monologues. Uh, Let's go to John in South Florida. John, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. 
Hey, Sean, how are you? Uh, first time caller, long time listener. All right. that That's probably my future. In other words, I'll go full Joe Biden on on myself. Um, but anyway, I've met some wonderful people throughout the years. Uh, one of the, the founders of the Fox News Channel played a very important integral role in in and building the, the brand that is now defining news in America in ways that nobody thought would happen. I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, nobody thought Fox would explode the way it did. And, and I'm honored to just be a spoke in the wheel and a small part of it all. And it's been an incredible ride. You make that possible by watching, just like you make this radio show possible by listening. You can fire me any day you want. I hope you don't, because I like doing what I'm doing. Anyway, so John Moody is one of the founders of the Fox News Channel. So he sends me a copy of a book that he's written, and it's just been released. And the book is called, Of Course They Knew, Of Course They Dot, 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 Dot. And what's fascinating about it, I do not have a lot of time to read for pleasure. I spend so much time reading and studying for work every day that I'm kind of I'm spent in terms of my my capacity to read, my bandwidth gets pretty short on this. So I pick up this book, and it's like ripped from today's headlines. You have an unhappy Chinese virologist, a master seamstress. They think Italy should be for Italians, an unemployed 20-something who believes artificial intelligence is the future and America is in a fatal decline. And you got an ordinary Joe from Pittsburgh who doesn't like being told what to do by the government. Or it's lying leaders. Now, throughout the course, that while it's a novel, it's a novel that, I mean, it's it's so parallel to so much of what we're discussing and what's going on in the world today. You know that all of our lives and all of the lives of the characters in the book are twisted together by this invisible viral intruder that doesn't know national boundaries. Sound familiar? Political parties, etc. You know where was the virus created and by whom? Did anyone try to prevent it? Did Dr. Fauci, just adding this part myself, did he did he fund it and then lie about it? Um, of course they knew. We put up a link on Hannity.com. It's uh, to Amazon.com. It's now in bookstores everywhere. It's just been released. And uh, John Moody, I just brought him on to just give you a quick, you know, headline. First of all, you're, you're I am stunned. I know I've always known how smart you are. We've 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 had a great relationship all the time. We work together at Fox. And although you were more on the news side of of programming at Fox, you were very supportive and understanding that, you know, we have an opinion side. We have the talk show host side. I'm a member of the press and I'm just I have a different role than what your role was. And you respected that. And the whole time I was there and a lot of people, you know, in the news division don't particularly like some of Sean Hannity's opinions. Well, Sean, thanks for those beautiful words, and, and I just want to say before we do anything else, you were probably the single best decision that we made 25 years ago. So, congratulations to you. <laughs> you know, but John, you, we got to we got to be honest here. I was awful when I started on television. I, I remember asking Roger Ailes one a number of times, "Why didn't you fire me?" I said, "Because I'd look at these old tapes and I'd cringe, and it's embarrassing, and then my kids would see it and they'd say, God, Dad, that's awful.'" And his answer was great. You know, typical Roger Foreman goes, well, we knew nobody was watching anyway in the early days, and I knew you would grow into it because you were a radio guy. That's what he said to me. Yeah, Roger always knew how to make a guy feel good, didn't he? He really did. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, in all seriousness, if I were to go, if I was the person I was, a local 
radio host in Atlanta today and got called by any of the big news networks, channels, cable, whatever, and was given a show, if it didn't rate in like a week, it's over. I wouldn't have had the time to grow into the job, which he gave me. Well, one of Roger's great talents was he took the long view of things, and he he could see over the horizon, and I think with you, he knew that there was a product in development, and he just wanted to be there when it burst forward on the scene, and we were all there to see it, and we were all proud of you. Well, let's go to this book. I couldn't believe, now, it's very hard to get me to stop what I'm doing at night, because I'm numb from reading all day, and I actually couldn't put your book down. So, you know, I've always known how smart you are, but then I didn't know what a great writer you are. And so, you know, you should be very proud of this. And you asked me for, I told you I love the book, and then you said, would you mind blurbing it? And I said, Americans know something's wrong, but have been silenced by political correctness. I didn't add wokeness, I would have today. The ca these characters have a voice. So explain how this connects to real life today. Well, Sean, I had a lot of time last year to look at what was going on, and I, I kind of thought at the end of the year there were three threads that kept interweaving during 2020. The first was this unexpected and horrible spread of this virus, which we were in, which everybody said we had to call COVID instead of the Wuhan flu or the China virus because we didn't want to upset the Chinese, of course. And so the mainstream media rolled over on its back, put all four legs up in the air, and said, "Yes, sir, we'll do whatever you say." Um, the second thread was the social uh, protests that we saw sweeping across the country. And there's nothing wrong with social protests as long as it remains peaceful. But these protests turned violent, they turned into riots, they burned down police cars, and they looted stores. That's not social protest, that's rioting. The third was the presidential election, and I think everybody kind of looked askance at what was going on and said, you know, this is not how we're supposed to elect our leaders. There is uh, a lot of anger and a lot of bitterness going on, and we'd rather have, you know, uh, an election that we can all say, okay, it wasn't perfect, but this is how it went. And, and so I think these, the, all these things made Americans nervous and, and made them wonder what was going on. And so I tried to capture that. Uh, it is a novel, but I, I tried to make it as realistic as I possibly could. It really was an incredible year. You're right on, on every point that you made here. One thing, uh, for example, let me pick one example. January 6th, I said right from the get-go, this cannot happen in this country. You know, we have to protect our institutions. We have to protect every lawmaker. I don't care what your politics are. Um, we have a we have a sworn duty to defend um, our the our institutions. But it's interesting interesting to me that Democrats only want to talk about one riot. There were over five hundred and thirty four of these riots that took place in the summer of twenty twenty. Democrats denied they were even riots. You know, I, I love you put on fake news CNN or MSDNC and this, the, the shot over the shoulder of a reporter saying things are mostly peaceful and you got a city ablaze or you got people, you know, throwing rocks and bricks and Molotov cocktails at cops. Nearly 3,000 cops were injured and dozens were killed in the course of these people, quote, riots as the media and the Democrats told us. How come they don't want to investigate those? Because it doesn't fit their narrative, Sean. Um, you know, I did watch news reports while I was writing this book, and I tried to keep a, a certain level of separation between what I saw and what I wrote. But, you know, the things that got me were 
reporters standing there saying, I feel very uncomfortable being in this crowd of, of uh, people who are Republicans and, and all white men, and I don't like being in this presence. Well, reporters have to go into dangerous situations sometimes. The ones that were covering the social protests of the summer seemed to be quite happy to be there and had no reluctance whatsoever about saying these were peaceful protests as flames shot up behind them. And and then you got Kamala Harris literally promoting a bail fund to get the rioters out of jail. I mean, you can't even make this up. You have entire city blocks overtaken by anarchists, but we're told it's a summer of love zone. I don't know if you saw the interview I did with Horace Lorenzo Anderson Sr. His son was killed in the Chop Chaz Autonomous Summer of Love Zone, and not one politician ever picked up a phone to call him. The only politician that ever ended up calling him was Donald Trump after watching this poor man who lost his son, you know, die. Um, Donald Trump picked up the phone and called him and said, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And, and those are the kind of things that I think Trump never got credit for. Um, the media, the, the mainstream media, uh, could only think of things to disparage him, to say, you know, this is a terrible person. He did a lot of things that, that probably didn't get attention and that would have if it had been a uh, president from another p political party. But uh, about the, 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 the victims of those summer protests, I mean, the, the mainstream media is never going to, to give any credence to that stuff. It doesn't fit their narrative. They want to talk about the the injustices that were done by the police, not the injustices that were done by the rioters. You know, it's it's such an amazing time we're living in, and for many, a very scary time. You see what's happening with the economy. You saw what happened in Afghanistan. We abandoned Americans. You see the disaster at our southern border. I mean, for Biden to now say he's going to bring back the Remain in Mexico policy uh, that's pre pretty much an admission of failure, but it doesn't go far enough. He ought to bring back the entire Trump policies. Uh, we gave up energy independence, John. You know how important that is. Quick break. We'll come back more with uh, one of uh, my fellow founders of the Fox News Channel, John Moody. Uh, ripped from the headlines. Of course they knew. Of course they dot, 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 dot. The Sean Hannity Show is up next. Hang on for Sean's conservative solutions. with us we've worked together for many years at the fox news channel he's authored a book writ literally ripped from today's headlines it's called of course they knew of course they dot 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 and by the way you can get it on amazon.com hannity.com bookstores everywhere I, I will tell you i am more worried about the future of this country at this point than i've ever been I, I you know i don't do this job for money anymore i do this job because i love this country and we need at least a few voices, just a couple. There's not many of us, some in talk radio, a couple of us on Fox. There's not many of us that are conservative that have access to the airwaves anymore. 
Well, you're right, Sean, and, and I'll just say this. I don't mean it as a self-plug, but this book was written for your listeners, your viewers. It was written for viewers of Fox News. It was written for people who still care about the country and want to see what's going on and what might be done to turn things around. And your role in this is as important as anybody's in this country, and I say that without trying to butter you up or anything else. Your voice is out there, and it needs to be heard and needs to be recognized. You know, and I'm appreciative of the opportunity to do it. I always tell this audience that we're all spokes in a wheel, and if you want that wheel to spin around, we need every spoke. In other words, it's all hands on deck. Where do you see this going? I mean, look, you're a student of history. You've you've been through all these elections throughout your your very successful career. Where do you see 2022 and 2024 headed? Well, in terms of the elections, I think the Republicans have a real chance to claw back some ground that they lost. Um, I think that the the Congress, uh, if the Republicans can take control of either of the houses, uh, is going to be a very, very important cog, you used the word cog, in the government. Um, and I think that uh, President Biden's very, very liberal agenda might uh, grind to a grind to a halt. But it takes Republicans uh, to get out there and vote and care and and do what they know needs to be done and take a few chances while they're doing it. Let me ask you this. What, how would you describe media in America today? Because I said in 2007 many, many times, and eight, journalism's dead. John, I don't, I don't think it exists anymore. Sean, the, the mainstream media decided once Donald Trump was elected that they could no longer be honest uh, uh, tellers of what was going on. They could no longer be observers. They couldn't afford that. They had to be participants, and they had to shape the narrative in a way that would do Donald Trump the most damage and would do them, the, the media, uh, the most good and get them the most uh, viewers and, and readers. They have given up objective reporting. And one of the reasons I had to make this a novel is I could not do the kind and, and quality of reporting in to, to, to do a nonfiction book that I would have had to do to satisfy myself that I knew all the facts. So I made it into a novel. I took a few little liberties with this and that and didn't use the right names all the time. But the media doesn't worry about those things anymore. If it suits their editors and if it suits their agenda, it's going to be out there. And listeners and viewers and readers have to decide for themselves what they believe and what they don't. All right, John Moody, I really, you got me to do something that is not easy to do, and that's take the time to actually read a book for fun. And I did enjoy it, and I, I, I couldn't stop reading it. Uh, it's up on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, and it's called, Of Course They Knew, Of Course They dot, 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 literally ripped from today's headlines. Uh, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, Hannity.com. Thanks for being with us, John Moody.